thank you for taking a minute with us and, and remembering. Um, we have something special planned for you uh, this morning. And um, it must terrify the enemy when we hear, when we can remember God's goodness and laugh going to the battle. That's what praise is. It's just recognizing that God is above all of these things. And we go in great joy because we've read the end of the book. Have you read the end of the Bible? That's probably pretty important. And God gets what he wants in the end. And every right. knee bows yeah, and every yeah, tongue yeah. confesses yeah. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so thank you. You know, um, to start this family series. Now, you might think like this is kind of an odd, it's an odd service. Everything we do is a bit odd. But we're doing a, a series about family. Right. Because we fight as families. And so um, God is going to do something in today's sermon. I'm going to introduce Pastor John o from Evolve Church in Edmonton. Um, his wife, Pastor Nicole, as well. And uh, yeah, you can clap for her too. I feel like that's. Yeah. You might remember Pastor John o from uh, uh, the grand opening. He's the one who made me cry when he prayed over us. So thanks. I appreciate that. Hey, anytime. Love crying one of the things I bring to the table. Love crying in public. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, today, I know from the first service what God is going to do uh, here among you, and I am uh, thrilled for it. Just open yourselves up right now. I'm just going to give him the floor as quickly as I can here and just say, come on, preach it to us. I know you have something from, from God for us in this series. We spent some time talking about it, and I'm like, that's exactly what we need right now. It's what you need right now. And so I'm just so glad to listen to the word of God and uh, just preach it. Come on, can you welcome the simple truth that his presence rests when his people gather I think my prayer today is Father would you help us to be more aware of your presence and we stand here as family as God's kids but it's not just about this moment, it's actually about what the church has been active and alive and building for thousands of years before us. And I, I appreciate Pastor Curry's reference to our silos that we live in. This moment matters because of the faithful work of the church and the faithful work of scripture and the Holy Spirit for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before us. And potentially what God wants to do in his church for years to come. That's why this series matters. That's why venue, family, drawing a line in the sand today and saying, moving forward, we, we commit to doing life as healthy family. That's why this series matters. And so can we just open our hearts to the whisper of the spirit in the room today? God, you are faithful. We've seen you move. You've moved mountains. You've done it in our own lives. You've done it through your church. And present in this room today and present through the online family that's tuned in are mountains that have been built up over time. Mountains of hurt and wound and pain, past experiences. And I just invite your spirit to break through with victory and with healing and with freedom and with life in Jesus' name. God, that you would minister in a faithful way, in a way that only you can. 
And as we approach this topic of, of how family works, would you break through the lies of the enemy? Would you tear apart the deceptions that have been built up in our hearts? We're ready, we're open. Change us, make us new, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen, amen. Anybody in the room ever moved before? I've moved, uh, I think my last tally was 33 times in my lifetime. I know, I'm not even making that up, but it's, it's a lot. Uh, Nicole and I, uh, hi babe, good to see you. Uh, we have three children, married 21 years. Our kids are still working on my first marriage. Yes, you better believe it. Uh, our kids are 16, uh, 14, and 10. And our boys are in the building somewhere. And our daughter has been competing in a volleyball tournament here in Calgary all weekend. And so I'm a little hoarse today from screaming my head off yesterday all day long cheering my kid on. But we're living in a temporary townhouse right now. And it's a lot of fun. I call it an exercise in minimalism. <laughs> because it's really... I mean, I, I don't want to sound ungrateful. I'm grateful that we have a, whole, a roof over our heads, but it's a smaller roof than I think we're used to. And uh, almost four years ago, we moved from Winnipeg to Edmonton to plant a, a brand new church called Evolve. And uh, we flew in one weekend, we looked at like 11 houses in one day, and then we like spun a wheel, picked one, bought it, moved in. And as we got settled, um, last year, a year ago, we sold our house and we're, we're building a new home that we take possession of in how many days? 24, I think. 24. I don't know. I don't want to like, point out that you're wrong in front of the whole room. These moments come very few and far between. Some husband on a couch at home just nudged his wife. I, I can see it. I can see it online. But uh, I don't know. Three and a half weeks. Can we just like cut the middle? We take possession of a new, we were supposed to move in in October, but construction delays. And so we've been in this townhouse just a little longer than I'd hoped. And, uh, but we did this, this thing called packing back in May, June, when we moved out of our house. And packing's awesome. Like packing up your house is like the best, right? Because you go through all your things and you're like, why did I keep this for 20 years? And we did this exercise of like, yes, we want to keep this. No, we want to get rid of this. The purging, the selling, Facebook marketplace, hallelujah. And uh, the stuff people buy, it blows my mind. But I'm thankful, I'm thankful. So we gave a whole bunch of things away. We sold a few things. We threw away a lot of stuff. And there was this moment where we went through these blue Rubbermaid bins, our kids keepsake bins. Does anybody have a keepsake bin for your kids? Like, do you have, that's the stuff we keep, right? It's called keepsake for a reason. And I opened up and on the top of my son's keepsake was this, this dog, this stuffed animal. Um, his name is New Dog. And New Dog is mine. Like when I was a kid, I had a stuffed dog that I lost and then my parents replaced it with a new dog. So I named it New Dog. And over the years, the stuffing was destroyed. And so I remember being a little boy and like surgically opening up New Dog's stomach, pulling out all the stuffing, filling him with rice. And to this day, he's packed with rice. He's got no eyes. He's got a bell around his neck. But that, you hang on to that kind of thing, right? That's like a testimony to my childhood. But we, we go through this exercise of like, okay, do we really need to hang on to this? Do we, how many paintings 
do we want to keep from our son's kindergarten class? And what do we want to purge? What do we really want to keep? And I wonder how often we invite God's spirit to do a similar exercise in our hearts. I mean our soul, deep down on the inside. What residue exists from my growing up experience that it's time for me to purge? Some of us don't even want to open up that box because we're scared of what's in there. Some of us don't even want to crack the lid because it's too terrifying. It feels like regret. It would be an exercise in tearing a scab off of a wound that we thought was healed. But really it's not. Maybe that exercise is life-giving and hopeful for you. But wherever you're at in the room today, guess what? God paints a picture of family for his church that needs to reside in our hearts from the youngest of us to the oldest of us in the room. Listen to what Psalm 68 says. God places the lonely in families. If you were to close your eyes for a moment and picture a person that you know of that's not in this room right now who is lonely, and maybe you pray for that person. Maybe you have faith that one day they're going to step into a room like this. Did you know that God loves to place lonely people into family? That's his heart. That's his nature. That's his character. That's his dad coming out of the room. He loves to place lonely in family. And right after that, it says he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. What's the connection between family and prisoner? If God's moving us into a placement in this thing called family, we also have to invite the Holy Spirit to bring us out of the prison of our past. Bring us out of the chains that we're shackled to when it comes to the past experiences of family that we've all had. Whether that's church family. Anybody got church hurt in the room today? Just me and two other people. Wow, you got a healthy church, Pastor Corey. Come on. Or whether that's biological family or adoptive family or blended family. Whatever your family origin story is. God not only wants to bring you out of captivity into freedom, but he wants to place you into healthy family today. That's good news. I think it's powerful that family is both A, the father's design, it's his idea, and B, the father's goal for you and for me. It's his heart, it's his desire, it's his plan, it's his goal, and it was his, his idea. I think family's maybe one of God's best ideas. It's why he created people in the beginning for a relationship, for family. Real family, healthy family, reconciled family, renewed family, life-giving family, forgiven family, family. Anybody ever seen a movie called The Princess Bride? Yes. Anybody not seen that movie? Get up. Get up. There's a scene in The Princess Bride where um, the cliffs of insanity, right? And uh, Wesley's crawling up the cliff and Bazzini's at the top and he keeps saying this word inconceivable inconceivable right he's just keeps using this word over and over and over again. inconceivable and at one point Inigo Inigo Montoya you killed my father prepare to die Inigo says to Bazzini you keep using that word I do not think it means what you think it means and uh, it's a great scene and it's a great movie I'm gonna go hopefully maybe we'll watch. can we watch it tonight let's watch it again great movie. I never get bored of it. Family. You keep using that word. I do not think you know what it means. 
keep saying family, and this picture rises out of your heart. Be honest. When I say family, if you were to allow yourself to actually go to the deepest place of what you feel to be true about family, what's attached to it? What's on the other side? When I say family, you say what? Healthy. Healthy. When I say family, you say healthy. Family. Healthy. Family. Healthy. You can do better. Do you want to do over? Everybody watching from home, are you ready? Online church in the room. When I say family, you say healthy. Family. Healthy. Family. Healthy. Very good. That was fun. But let's be honest. When I say family, you say messy. For real. When I say family, you say broken. When I say family, you say toxic. You say painful. You say too many hurts. When I say family, you say, can we just leave it in the box a little longer? I personally don't think we, we stop often enough or long enough as Jesus followers to really invite the Holy Spirit to help us unroot unhealthy beliefs, belief systems in our hearts connected to family back there, okay? We're always trying to course correct surface level behaviors in family, in our like family, family, biological family. We're always trying to course correct behaviors in our church family. We're always trying to course correct behaviors. I know I did this thing and it was wrong and I know I, I behaved this way and I'm sorry I won't do it again, but then I do it again. We're always trying to course correct surface level behaviors, but we never stop often enough or long enough to invite the Holy Spirit to heal the core issues of why we behave the way we do in family. And that's what I want to ask him to do today in the room as we start this series called How Family Works. Let's begin with a solid look here, in here. Not my chest, but our hearts. Your heart, my heart, the inner work of the Spirit. Are you aware that your belief systems about your earthly family will greatly impact how you explore, embrace, and ultimately live out your faith in relationship with the Father and your spiritual family? We can't get away from this. So we might as well acknowledge the work of the Spirit and invite Him to do surgery on our hearts today. We cannot experience wholeness and life and freedom in healthy spiritual family if we don't heal from our belief systems, our wrong belief systems about the past when it comes to earthly family. In the Bible, there's a turning point between the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you grew up in Sunday school reading your Bible or maybe Bible reading is new to you, I hope Bible reading is real to you as a Jesus follower. The Bible's broken into OT, NT, Old Testament, New Testament, or Old Agreement, New Agreement, or Old Covenant, New Covenant. And the very last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, says this. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. In other words, I desire to do a new thing. To shift people's hearts. Fathers to children. Mothers to children. Children to moms. Children to dad. And ultimately, all of us as sons and daughters in the room. In relationship with our father. This was Malachi's final thoughts as the old covenant came to an end. And then we pick it up in Luke chapter 1, the beginning of the new agreement. He will be a man 
with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. There's this beautiful wisdom as the old agreement comes to an end and the new agreement begins that we see clearly the heart of the father is to turn our hearts back towards him in our proper place as sons and daughters in the room. The father's design for family and the father's goal for you to find freedom and wholeness and fulfillment in family begins with Jesus. It's the only place we can start. So let's start there together. I believe that the love of our God and Father beckons us to step deeper into the waters of real relationship where we just reach out in sincerity and health and openness and know our place as daughters and sons in his church. Even still, here today, as we were worshiping, I just sense there's a deeper work in our hearts this language might not be like comfortable for you. And I just want you to find rest and peace in the presence of the Father today. You might be a traditional person where you're like, I'm not super in touch with my feelings. Come on, men. I believe there's some men in the room that God wants to restore a piece of your origin story today so that you can find your proper healthy place as a son in God's kingdom, as you begin to lead and move forward with healing and life and authority and freedom. Are you aware? And if you're not, Father, would you open our eyes to, to, to be aware that our belief systems about our, our relationship, natural origin story family, greatly impact our experience as believers in spiritual family. We cannot get away from this. We have an enemy. Scripture calls him the father of lies, the Satan. Deception is his native tongue. That's the only language the enemy speaks. He's really good at lies. And we have an enemy. Now, here's the good news. Scripture says he's a defeated foe, but we're still in this battle. He's lost. He's losing. He's a loser. He always will be. Pastor Corey said, have you read the end, right? We know how this thing lands, but in the meantime, we still have an enemy. John 8 says he's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the OG of lies. He's the goat of lies. Second Corinthians, uh, that's my translation. Second Corinthians 4, 4. Somebody's like, what's a goat got to do with this? <laughs> greatest of all time. Goat. There, you're with me. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it refers to Satan as the God of this world that blinds our eyes. Did you know that you might be blinded to something when it comes to what you believe about family? You're wondering, man, why do I feel like I don't fit here? Everybody else seems to be doing fine, but like, if they really knew my story, would they accept me? Do I really fit here? Is, is this really home? If they knew the truth. They're going to reject me like everybody else. What if we're blind to a piece of our heart today? I just trust the work of Jesus wants to help open some eyes, free us from deception. Here's why. Bible calls Satan an accuser, a liar, and a deceiver. Three things. Accuser, that's easy. 
If Pastor Corey right now were to accuse me in front of you all that I'm too good looking, okay? If he were to make an accusation, Pastor Jono, you're ridiculously good looking. See, there it is. I'm, I'm like, that's a false accusation. <laughs> Clearly, we can all see that Pastor Jono is homely and awkward. He's tall, but he's not nice to look at, right? We, I, if he were to make an accusation, I'd be able to quickly call him out on that, right? That's the thing with an accusation. It's the same thing with a lie. If my father-in-law sitting in the front row, hi, Dad, good to see you. If my father-in-law were to say, Jono, you make terrible coffee. I'd be like, you're a liar. That's not true. I'm a coffee snob. Aficionado. Sorry, I'm a coffee aficionado. I care deeply about single origin natural processed beans. And when the barista says, do you want your beans ground, sir? I'm like, who do you think I am, popper? I have a grinder at home. I have two really good burr grinders at home. One of them's just for espresso. Call me what you want, but don't say I don't make good coffee, you liar. I make great coffee. A lie is a lie. An accusation is an accusation, but a deception. I don't know that I'm deceived. I don't see it for what it is. And the enemy wants to deceive us, to blind our eyes when it comes to family and our place and what we've come through and the lies that we believe. But listen to what Jesus says. In Luke 4, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah and he owns these verses as why he came, okay? This is our Jesus. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord's upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, prisoners set free, that the blind will see. And that's my heart's prayer and desire for us in the room today when it comes to the deceptions and the blindness that we've experienced from our story growing up. The pain and the hurt and the wound and the lies that are back there that Jesus would open our eyes and set us free today. So what if instead of looking at God the Father and his church, our family, what if instead of looking at God the Father and our church family through the lens of our past experiences with our earthly families, we looked ahead through the lens of Jesus to see God as our perfect dad, our perfect father, and that began to heal the hurts and the wounds and the lies that we believed about family for far too long. Can we let them in today? Can we crack the lid on that keepsake bin and say, it's time to purge. It's time to light the bin on fire and be set free in his presence today. So how do we do this? Two ideas and then I'm done. Number one, it starts at birth. It starts at birth. And that's a gift. On May 7th, 1976, I slid into this world into the loving arms of Burton Kareen Zanting. My mom and my dad. I came out the fourth child, the favorite child. I hope my siblings tune into this, just because you're the favorite child. Slid into the loving arms of my parents. Guess what? I didn't earn it. I didn't pre-qualify. I didn't write a test in the womb. I didn't have to fill in some kind of checklist. I just popped out and they instantly knew me and embraced me as their son. And I'm grateful. Newsflash, in healthy spiritual family, the same holds true for you. The moment you said, Jesus, I'm all in, you slid into the arms of your father, you popped out, fully loved, 
as daughter, as son, period. You didn't earn it, stop trying to. You didn't pre-qualify, stop thinking you have to. You didn't fill in some kind of checklist. Why are you doing that now? You didn't write a test, quit it. You just, it started at birth. You're a daughter, you're a son. All the kids in the room, I love it. You're like, of course I'm a son. Of course I am. And that's the beautiful thing about youth is that we haven't waded through all the noise and the garbage of a story so far where we rest secure. I think that's why the spirit invites us to have faith like children because we're more in tune with our value and our worth as son and daughter. I'm grateful that my kids like they're at ease in home. They're at ease in family. They're at peace. They're safe in family. God wants the same for all of us in the room today. You're not a servant in the kingdom of heaven. You're not a slave in the kingdom of heaven. You're not an outsider in the kingdom of heaven. You're not a passive bystander in the kingdom of heaven. You're right in the thick of it. You're a daughter and you're a son. Listen to Galatians 4. When the right time came, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could what? Adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God's made you his heir. As we begin this series on how family works, we have to come full stop and find our worth, find our value, find our wholeness, find our healing and our identity in this simple place as I'm his kid. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And even me saying that, I sense just here in the room and, and somebody watching from home, there's already a lie gurgling up in your gut. Yeah, he says I'm a son, but I, I, can, I can feel it. I can sense those lies already. You say it's as simple as me just finding my worth as a son, but do you know what I've come through? Do you know what son meant in my home growing up? Do you know what daughter experiences I had? Home wasn't safe for me. I can feel the lies just like coming right to the surface. Holy Spirit, would you just bring rest to those lies and that noise? It's your voice we want to hear. It's your voice we want to hear. Come on, church. Let's just rest in this moment. Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And a text to that is this. Wherever you're at in your understanding of what it means to be led by the Spirit, you might be brand new to faith. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've been following Jesus a long time. Maybe this is your first time in the room or first time watching today. Wherever you're at in this understanding of, I want to be led by the Spirit, from that sincere place of motive and desire, you find your rightful place as a son or a daughter. From that sincere place and motive, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba, Father. You're a daughter. You're a son. It started the day you were born. It started the day you were born into life in Jesus. It starts at birth. And I just trust that the love of the Father beckons us to step deeper into the waters of healing and life and real relationship with him through the faithful work of Jesus, through what he's done for years before us. 
and what he's doing in our hearts today. Can you hear his voice? Can you hear him speak clearly? Son, daughter, you're more than enough. We have these keepsake bins. Keepsake bins of family. We keep the things worth valuing. We keep the things worth celebrating. Not so with our story. Not so with how we grew up. If we have an emotional or spiritual keepsake bin of our family growing up, we're not really good at purging that stuff. We're good at stuffing it down. Why? Because we're people of faith. Come on, after all, I have faith. I don't have to be in tune with my feelings. I don't have to deal with the stuff back there, and yet it continues to creep up and impact how you do married life, impact how you parent, impact how you grandparent, impact how you serve in church family. We got to deal with it. Come on. Right at the top of that bin, we crack open the lid and boom, there it is. Our hurt, our pain, our failure, our regret. I'm a disappointment. Close that lid. I don't want to deal with that. I remember the feelings of being a disappointment. I'm a black sheep. Bad. <laughs> Shut the lid. That's too, that's too hurtful. The regret. The hurt. I never knew a father's love. You say God loves me as a, as a dad? I don't want that. If that's true, that's going to stink. Because I never knew genuine, real, no strings attached, worth. That's somebody, that's in somebody's been today. I've hurt too many people. And so instead of looking through the lens of Christ to see God as Father and find our rightful place, we're always looking through the lens of our past experience. No wonder we struggle. No wonder it's hard to find freedom. If you truly believe that you're a disappointment, that will bleed into how you do life in this room. That will bleed into how you do life in Christian community. If you truly believe that you're a black sheep, that will bleed in. You'll constantly be second-guessing yourself, second-guessing your worth. What do you really want to keep from your, from your story? If we, if we look back to your family of origin, how you grew up, Biological family, adoptive family, step family, blended family, whatever that looks like for you. It, what, do we, what do you really want to keep? And what do you need to set aside, discard, or light on fire today in Jesus' name? I believe God wants to do surgery on our hearts. And he says, can you hear my voice? And if you can't hear it, that's okay. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do one step further. He wants to take the deception that we can't see and open our eyes. The faithful work of Jesus wants to open blind eyes in the room today. And guess what? It starts the day you're born, reborn into life in Christ. It starts on that day. So let's be aware. Let's just choose to be aware that our belief systems about our earthly family are impacting how we explore, embrace, and ultimately live out our faith in relationship with God as Father and the church as our spiritual tribe. Okay? Regardless of where you're at. Regardless of where you're at in your faith story. You might be in the room here today or watching online. And the steady ticker tape stream of lies has been whispering to your soul. You don't belong here. You're not good enough for this family. 
If they find out what you've come from, what you've done, if they only knew the truth about you, you can't possibly be loved and find wholeness here. I just want to call those as they are. They're lies that want to lead you to deception. So what if instead of looking through the lens of our past, we look through the lens of Jesus? It starts at birth. Second and final, we choose to see. Pause. This is our faith response today. This is our look ahead. Okay? This is our faith response. We choose to see. And if that involves us praying a desperate prayer, Jesus, open my blind eyes so that I can see. Let's pray that prayer. Just pray it from the quiet of your seat right now. We choose to see that the Father loves us deeply, that we bring him great joy, and that he's pleased with us. Let's go. Right? Come on. This is good news for somebody. Matthew 3, the story of Jesus coming up out of the waters of baptism. Message translation. This beautiful moment. Along with the Spirit, a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. Matthew 3, 17, same verse in the NLT. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Same verse in the NIV. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I'm well pleased. Did you know that as soon as you're born into spiritual family?" As soon as you say yes, not only do you find your place at birth as son or daughter, but you get to quickly hear the voice of the Father saying, you're chosen and marked by my love. You are. You're the delight of my life. You are. You bring me great joy. You do. I'm well pleased with you. Yes, I am. I'm well pleased. It's hard to experience the gift of healthy spiritual family if all I do is look through the lens of my past. We have to look through the lens of Jesus. And somebody's already disqualifying themselves because you're like, yeah, but he's Jesus and I'm not. And so God said that over his, his beloved son, Jesus. But does he really speak that over my life, pastor? Yes. Yes, he does. Because here's the cool thing. We got to recognize that the father spoke and affirmed in Jesus that that took place before Jesus did any of the super Jesus-y things that we attribute to Jesus. It took place before the preaching. He looked at his son who had 30 years of just being a carpenter. 30 years and he said, I love you. I'm proud of you. You bring me great joy. You're the delight of my life. Before the preaching, before the miracles, before the signs and wonders, before any of the great things, the Jesus-y things that we attribute to him, the father simply said... Your mind. And I, I, I want everyone to know about it. And he does the same for you. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to strive and think that you have to produce this somehow in your heart. That's the deception. That's the lie. That's your past creeping up on you. Rest in this truth that the Father knows you and sees you. In other words, Jesus didn't earn it. Neither do we. Can we just honor and recognize the voice of the Father speaking over our souls today is that he loves us deeply. We bring him great joy and he's pleased with us. And then the deception of the enemy tries to shut your eyes quickly and lie to your soul. He says, but you, you're unlovable. Remember, you're unlovable. No, I'm not. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. 
My father and my family, guess they love me deeply. And then he says, fine. You're such a disappointment. Remember? Look to your past. Do you remember? You're such a disappointment. And you're like, no way, Jose. I am not. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. My father and my family, they're well pleased with me. No one sees you. No one really sees you. You don't matter here. You're just another butt in a chair. <laughs> Wrong. I'm a daughter. I'm a son. My father and my family, they're delighted with me. I bring them great joy. And so this moment where Jesus, before he did any Jesus-y things, is affirmed as being loved and believed in and well-pleased and bringing great joy. And then immediately he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said, If you are the Son. Listen to this. The enemy came to Jesus and said, are you really the son? Right, here's this beautiful picture in the new covenant that echoes the garden of Eden where the enemy came to tempt Adam and Eve. And the enemy whispered a lie to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say? And they believed that lie. And they ushered in an era of sons and daughters being gripped by a sin nature held captive to the lies of the enemy and then Jesus steps onto the scene and the enemy says are you really the son if you read this in Matthew 4 all three of the temptations the enemy starts with if you are the son why because that's what the father just had finished speaking over Jesus's heart so the enemy comes quickly to grab that truth and tear it down and Jesus shows us a way forward as our big brother today. Jesus shows us a way through into life, into freedom, into wholeness, as our big brother in the room today. Isn't it just like the accuser to immediately come and challenge who we truly are? Venue family, as we begin this conversation about how family works, we have to start from a sincere and honest look at our worth, our identity, and our value as sons and daughters. From the oldest of us to the youngest in the room. In the older generation, we have actually a lot more on the line. I say we like I'm including myself in that. The old guy in the room. We have a lot more on the line. We've had a lot more hurts. We've had a lot more failures, a lot more disappointments. Even still in our spiritual maturity, can we invite the Holy Spirit to arrest us in this moment to just come back to this simple place as daughter and son? To acknowledge the work of the Spirit to help us identify and heal from these wounds, these past experiences. Church, the Father's design for family and the Father's goal for you to find freedom and wholeness and fulfillment in family begins with Jesus. And so instead of looking at the Father and in this church family through the experiences of our past, we say no more, no longer, today's a new day. Holy Spirit, would you help me to dream in faith 
to find my place as a son and a daughter in this house through the lens of Jesus, through the finished, perfect, beautiful lens of Jesus, our faithful big brother, so that we see God as our perfect father, loving father, kind father, gracious father. And that begins to heal, uproot, that gives us the confidence to open the lid and let the Holy Spirit in to uproot and purge the wounds and the lies and the deception from our past and bring healing to our hearts in the room today. Can you hear his voice? Can you hear the Father's, I love you? Would you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, just stretch out a hand. Can you hear his voice? You bring me great joy. I'm pleased with you. You're marked, you're marked by my love. You're the pride of my life, says the Father. You're my daughter, you're my son. Can we make that our meditation, our response this week? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I think that we just need to respond um, to that. And so prayer team, just roll with us here. Um, so good. Yep. Thank you, uh, Pastor John. I, I uh, will honor him in a sec, but let's let's connect with our father. You know, when my dad used to walk into the room, um, everything just shifted and changed. He didn't even need to say anything. Like sometimes we're so intent on hearing God say things, I think we forget that it starts with being near to. Right. And so I just want to open the front of the stage to you. If you just need to be near the Father this morning, something has been burning while Pastor John has been speaking. God wants to do something. You've been looking to people to do what only God can do yes. in your life. So we just want to open the stage. So just come on up. And we. somebody on the prayer team might put their hand on you. Somebody just wants to be with you. And prayer team, don't be like speaking a whole lot over people. This is just a connection time with you Healing, and your Father. Freedom. Yeah. And, uh, and God is going to do something just in proximity. So good. Um, this morning. we Let's sing the song, Come Again. We've changed our last song here because we feel like this Love is... Yeah. Can, I, can I just speak to pride in the room today? In this response moment, there's already somebody who wants to rush to the front, proximity with the Father, wants to rush to receive a touch, but you're like, if I do, what will they think about me? Hmm. That is a deception and a lie. I want to give you with the warmest dad hug that I can. I want to give you permission to break through that pride today and just trust. Real trust comes in our surrender. So as we, as we worship, as we minister, as we pray, if, if you need to just lay something at the foot of the cross today, if you need to clearly invite the Holy Spirit to shine his light on a piece of your past that's shaping how you live out family today, this is your moment, this is your time. Breakthrough as we worship, come on. Thank you.